Well, hey, everyone. I love to listen to the, <laughs> the noise just die down, get all silent. It's kind of funny. Everybody wonders if they're breaking the rules in here right now, you know, still talking. My name is John Bowles. I am one of the pastors again at Lakeside Church. And thank you. Woohoo! Yay, team. I used to be on staff here uh, 11 years ago. We left to be missionaries, and uh, my family's still living there, and uh, we are making our way over here, and we are going to be over here in August. I would also like to say hello and welcome to everybody that is meeting right next door in the block, in the family room, uh, coming to you in HD. Good to see you over there this morning. Um, the, the title of today's message is called Elpis Has Left the Building. Did you see that written down anywhere? It is not a typo. It is not a typo. Now, back in the 60s, Elvis has left the building was, was a saying that MCs would say uh, from the stage anytime Elvis did a show because all of the screaming ladies would love to stand around the stage and beg for him to come out so they could see him one more time, perhaps touch his greatness, you know, the hem of his garment, or get him to sing another song. And they would have to say, uh, Elvis has left the building, so everybody would disperse. Now, the Greek word uh, for hope is the word. Elpis. So that was intentional today, not a typo. Elpis means hope. Uh, technically, we would probably say Elpis, um, but Elpis has left the building, didn't have the same kind of flair. It was just kind of weird to say, so we went with the phonetic spelling. And uh, today, all of that to say, we are going to be talking about hope, and we are going to be talking specifically about hope that happens out there. Uh, we are in a series right now uh, called Zero to Hero, and we are looking at one of my favorite people in the Bible. Uh, his name is Peter. And I say uh, favorite people as opposed to one of my favorite Bible characters on purpose, uh, because character, Bible character, even though that's not bad, you're not going to get in trouble if you say it, uh, Bible character has more of a connotation of like a, a cartoon to me, or I talk about characters as somebody who's on Game of Thrones, you know, but this is, this is a real life person. Like Peter really lived and Peter really wrote letters and they got distributed to his friends and they got passed down throughout history and we get to read those letters uh, today. And that's, that's a great thing. Uh, we are going to be in 1 Peter today. He didn't call it 1 Peter. He called it my letter. <laughs> but we're going to be looking at 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 today. And uh, if you are following along in any of those Bibles that might be sitting uh, in the, uh, uh, the chairs next to you, then you might go to page 851. And uh, we're going to pick it up around verse 13, and we're going to kind of jump into this. Now, I hear a little bit about Peter. We've been talking about him the last three weeks. But this, this letter is written around 64 AD to kind of give you uh, the time frame. It's written uh, from Rome. He's writing this from Rome. He doesn't call it Rome. He calls at Babylon, which is code for everybody who's reading it. We're supposed to get his little yuck, yuck, yuck inside joke because Babylon, even though it is a physical place, is, is a metaphor through in, throughout all of scripture for bad city, <laughs> city where things go bad, city you don't want to be in. He's writing from Rome. He calls it Babylon. He is ni not saying nice things about Rome. Why would he not say nice things? Well, he's living in a time of great persecution, and he's writing these words during a time of great persecution to all of his friends that are scattered throughout the region. When we say persecution, uh, we're not, let's talk about this for a minute. Sometimes we say we're being persecuted at work when we give somebody a, a Christian music CD to listen to and they say, ah, that's garbage, and they, they throw it away. That is not persecution. 
they just don't like your music. And that's okay. Just because it's Christian music doesn't even make it good. They might, that's not persecution. If, if they take prayer out of schools, it, that is not persecution. That is perhaps inconvenient. It is not persecution. If somebody calls you a name, uh, that is teasing. That is not persecution necessarily. To put it in light, people were losing their lives for being associated with Jesus. This is ISIS-level persecution that was happening at this time. If you name the name of Jesus, if you associate yourself with Jesus, you could lose your life. That is the temperature of Babylon slash Rome at this time. And all of his friends that he's writing to in in the area surrounding that, that is the temperature. That's what's going on. And it makes the words that he is going to say here so much more weighty because of that. Because there's a theme running through here of hope and holiness in the middle of the suck. In the middle of things just being absolutely horrid. And he says these words, starting in verse 13. Uh, Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should uh, suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Now, uh, let's stop here just for a second. Uh, He's proverbial here. He doesn't mean if you do good all the time that nobody's going to mess with you. He's just starting with a proverbial statement. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? And honestly, most of the time that happens, right? If we're treating one another right, if we're reacting to one another uh, right, if we're talking to our spouse right, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our, our friends, our family, the people that we work with, our neighbors, if we're treating people right, they're not going to mess with us. They just kind of stay away from us or they're attracted to us. They want to be around us. And, but it's proverbial, right? Because sometimes somebody will step in and they will mess all that up. They don't care, they don't care how good you are or what you're doing good. They're, they, they're gonna mess everything up. They're gonna mess with you. So he says, who's gonna mess with you? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Because let's admit it, sometimes the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And sometimes bad things happen to very good people. And unfortunately, sometimes really good things happen to really bad people. And can we just have true confessions for a minute? Sometimes I want to kick those people in the teeth in, in the name of Jesus, you know, in the love of the Lord. I want to, because I go, oh, how, how come all of this is happening? And here's my not-so-secret sin, and how come the good stuff is not happening to me? I deserve the good stuff. Confessions, right? Come on, you feel like that too, right? He says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? You need to do the good, but sometimes... Things are just going to go bad. But you can find blessing in the middle of this. And remember, this is intense persecution. And he says, don't fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. He's, he's actually quoting the book of Isaiah. He's going back to a time where, where everybody was frightened, where the government was a mess, where, where things were in uproar. And he's using those same words. He's saying, remember how it was back then? It's the same thing now. And, and, and don't give in to that fear. Everybody is preying on fear. The world lives on fear. They love fear. The mainstream media loves fear. They survive on fear. Don't fear what they fear. But in your hearts... Set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if you do God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. So he's saying, in this time of turbulence, there is a way that you should live that really is not conventional wisdom, right? Conventional wisdom would say, fight for yourself, fight to the finish. You know, if somebody does something bad to you, do something uh, bad back to them. He's saying, no, you esteem Jesus and understand that he has rescued you. The righteous died for the unrighteous, and that he's made you a new creature. That, that means that you need to live a different way, no matter what's going on. And when you live like that, man, something's going to happen. It's going to freak people out. It's going to blow minds. People are going to want to know what you have. And he says, when that happens, you need to be prepared to give an answer everyone who asks. Now, when you think of being prepared, what do you think of? What does it mean to be prepared? Do you, do you hear that anywhere in culture? Boy Scouts. Uh, were you a Boy Scout? Okay. I was Boy Scout for about a week. Uh, I got kicked out from Boy Scouts. My parents are here today. They'll probably remember this. I stole a box of Twinkies, and I, I, I got it. But it was all Frankie Haffelfinger's fault. He, he led me into it. I'm going to blame it on him, and, uh, and I have every right to blame him. It was that long ago, and I just feel okay about that. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I was in Boy Scouts for a little bit. Yeah, be prepared is one of the things. That's their motto. It's the Boy Scout motto, be prepared. It means that no matter where you are in the world, if you are dropped in the middle of Podunk, nowhere, Sasquatchville, if you are out wherever you're at, you need to be able to take care of yourself and others. You need to know how to, uh, you know, find your Swiss army knife, and, and you need to know how to tie a knot, and you need to know how to start a fire, and you need to know how to find a date, and you need to know whatever it is that you need. You, you need to be prepared, right? You need to be prepared for the worst. Now, in this passage that we just read, Oftentimes, there's a group of people, and there's a whole field of study known as apologetics, and the apologists, who are those people, will go back to this passage and say, yeah, so we need to be prepared to give uh, a reason for the hope that we have, and that means that we need to have all of our uh, ducks in a row, and we need to have answers to all of the questions, and we need to be able to defend our faith from a historical accuracy point, from an archaeological standpoint, from, uh, you know, we need to prove that our Bible is uh, the, the Word of God, where it came from, how many copies there are. Now, that's not a bad thing in and of itself. Actually, I love that field of study. I thought that I might want to go into that field of study. I might want to be an apologist, because I, I love learning about all the archaeology and I love knowing things like we have more accurate copies of the original uh, writings uh, that I hold in my hand today than we have you know, copies of the works of Shakespeare or the Iliad or the Odyssey. Like I like knowing that stuff. It's fun. But I think when Peter says be prepared, he's not talking like a Boy Scout. He's not talking like an apologist. And we'll dig a little bit deeper. Uh, when you think of being prepared, maybe you think, like I do, of The Lion King. Uh, one of, uh, it was one of the great Disney classics. It's still on Broadway right now. Uh, it's not my favorite Disney classic. Just uh, extra information from you. Beauty and the Beast, can I get a what-what? That's my favorite. Um, 
<laughs> it feels so real to life. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. In, in The Lion King, there is a, a character. He's, uh, he's like the drunk uncle lion. His name is Scar. He's like power hungry. And Scar, if you remember, he sings a song. Be prepared. Did you like that? I'm not doing it again. That's what he sings. And he sings it with his hyena friends. And it's all about, well, actually, they're not really his friends. He kind of makes fun of them. Uh, but he needs them, which is ironic. Um, he sings about this kind of taking things over. And this new dawn. And how everybody's going to be whipped into submission. And then in the process of this, he, these hyenas he treats as the scum of the earth. He calls them stupid. You guys don't even know what you're talking about. You are the dirt beneath my fingernails. You are the, the whatever. Fill in the blank. Unfortunately, I think that some of us, throughout the years, probably not you, have treated being prepared to share our faith like that. If we don't come from the apologist camp, maybe we're, we're in this camp where we, we, we treat people like, I know, you, you don't know as much as I do right now, but one day you will. Or we treat it real smug like that. Or, or we are the people sometimes on the news that are just making people feel so stupid that, that they don't know. We're trying to put the muggles in their place. Like, you don't, you don't know the kind of magic that we have in Jesus, <laughs> if you only knew. He is most definitely not saying to be that kind of person. No way. Not at all. I want none of that. You don't want it either. The world does not want that. The world wants to throw up a little bit in their mouth when they see that on TV. Please, stop that, people on TV. That's not what he's talking about. He's not put, saying, put up your dukes. And he's not saying, make sure that you have everything in order uh, and that you can give all the facts and the figures or anything like that. What else do you think about when you think about being prepared? Maybe you, like I, think about the coming apocalypse, specifically the zombie one. <laughs> I may or may not be able to fend off zombies in my home right now. I might watch The Walking Dead all the time because I might really like zombies, and I'm fascinated with this whole culture. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, you can look up apocalypse and find any number of coming apocalypse sees, apocalypse I, on, on the web. You can find them anywhere, right? You need to be prepared because, because something scary is going to happen. And there's a map up behind me, by the way, of states that are prepared for a zombie attack. And Michigan is doing rather well, but California, we got some catching up to do. All right? So anyway, do you think I'm serious about this? Because I'm really not. You can laugh at this. It's, it's, it's okay. All right? But so this is another way that sometimes we look at what it means to be prepared. Either we have all the facts and figures or we're ready to put up our dukes or we strike fear into the hearts of people. Turn or burn. He is coming with a flaming sword in his mouth ready to strike you down. And it feels like when people say that, they can't wait to have the front row seat to watch. He's not saying that. Are you kidding me? No way. We have a lot of apologizing to do for that. That stuff is nonsense. How do I know he's not saying that? 
Because he says, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have when what happens? When they ask. If you treat people like those other things, like they don't even want to talk to you. They want nothing to do with you. They're not going to ask about the hope that you have. We have good news to share. We have a good story. I have a friend in Jackson, Michigan. He's a pastor. Um, and he was telling me recently that their evangelism efforts were failing. And I said, okay, well, what are you doing to reach the community? And, uh, you know, what kinds of things? He said, well, we're really doing one thing. And well, what is it? He said, well, after work, we get a group of a few of us together. And then we go knock on doors. And we ask people if they want to hear some good news. And nobody wants to talk to us. And I said, and you're surprised by this? So let me get this straight. You're getting a group of friends together at dinner time and knocking on doors and asking people if they want to hear good news. Do you realize that when you do that, the only good news for them that evening is when they shut the door and you leave their front porch. They are hungry. They don't want to talk to you. Oh, good news, gospel, literally means good headlines. Don't you want to hear good news? I mean, aren't you, aren't you fascinated and captivated by good headlines? People want to hear good headlines. So we have to live our lives in this extra, extra, read all about it kind of a way where people are saying, man, tell me, Tell me that kind of story. And this hope, these hope stories, this kind of story that we tell, it happens out there. It happens when we are doing life with people. It happens when we are conversing with people. It happens when we are shoulder to shoulder with people. That's where the stories of hope come from. That's where the Elpis comes from. Elpis has left the building. Hopefully, it happens out there. We have a story to share, and people are going to want to know our story. And we want to live our lives in a way that people say, what is going on? And then we, our job is to be storytellers, to be story keepers, to be story gatherers, to be story makers. If you don't feel like you have a lot of stories, you need to make some. How do you make them? You make them out there. You make them out there with people, doing life with people. So being prepared doesn't mean make sure you have your Christian life so wrapped up and nice and tidy and that you know all the facts and figures so well that you can give people a Jesus flip chart presentation and seal the deal at the end of that. It's not that easy, especially in this culture. We are not salesmen. We are not peddlers of Jesus. We are purveyors of hope. And sometimes that takes a long time. Now, some of us are called to be evangelists. Some of us are the kind of people that could stand up in a room of people anywhere and they could speak about Jesus and people say, that was fantastic, sign me up, I'm in. Billy Graham is one of these people in history. And it boggles my mind. I actually, quite frankly, if I'm honest, I, I kind of don't get it because uh, if I'm honest, and this isn't sacrilege, he's just a man, I, I'm not a huge fan of his speaking. 
And I, I don't mean to, I, to say that mean. I mean, this, there's a point here. When I hear Billy Graham speak, I never go, he's the most fantastic orator I've ever heard. Wow, I wish I could speak like that. Man, that guy is poetic. Wow, that was a turn of phrase, Billy. I never say those things. But when he speaks, magic happens. Because in the Bible, evangelism is listed as a spiritual gift. And some people have that kind of spiritual gift where God works in amazing ways in some people. Now, Billy's a fantastic guy. And he's got a a beautiful heart for Jesus. And man, he is, you, you, you cut him and he bleeds Jesus. And Jesus uses that and the power and the gift of evangelism to do wonderful things for him. But some of us are not like that. It doesn't excuse us, however, from being uh, evangelists or from telling the good news or from telling good stories or for sharing hope or living our lives in such a way that people ask us about the hope that we have. None of us are excused from that. That's all part of the deal. So we have to get better and better at telling stories. Uh, I have a story I want to tell you. This right here, uh, this, is, this is a story. I have things like this all over my office. Uh, this, there's something in here I'm going to unpack. Uh, but I have little trinkets and, and gifts people have made for me over the years. And um, they're all tied to beautiful Jesus stories, to things that I hang on to. When I feel like the world is, is crumbling sometimes, I get on my knees and I pray and, and then I, and I, and I think of all the things that God has done for me and I think uh, of the things like this that I have boxes of and shelves full of. Uh, this little box has a, has a note in it, uh, has a letter in it and it was sent to me uh, by my spiritual mom and her name is Charlotte and, um, and Charlotte um, used to take my brother and I uh, to Sunday school uh, when we were kids uh, she used to come to our property and, and pick us up, and, and she'd take us to Sunday school, and it was a little bit risky, and maybe you've heard me tell bits of the story before. My, my dad is here right now. Dad, remember that time you were rolling a joint, and Charlotte came down the driveway to pick us up for... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> True stories. <laughs> Jesus has done amazing things in my life, in my dad's life, in my mom's life, in my brother's life, my wife, my children, my grandchildren. Um, Because of this lady. Because there's a legacy here. And she wrote me this letter just a few short years ago. And she said, I want you to have what's in this box. And I I want you to know uh, that this has been special to me. And that I have held on uh, to this thing for the last Uh, three plus decades. And because I'm in my 80s and I'm getting close, not me, her. (laughs) People are like, wow, he looks great. (laughs) I know, right? Imagine, and I'm only in my 30s. She said, I want you to have this, uh, and it's a little cross. It's made out of walnut, it's kind of misshapen, and it has uh, the cross beam is is glued to it. It's got a little it's got a little hook in the top to hang it from a chain. Um, I know this cross because I made it when I was about ten years old, and I gave it to her. 
And she said she wanted me to have it before she went home to be with Jesus because she knew she was getting close. And that she's held on to it and she's prayed for me every single day. I have a thousand stories like Charlotte. Are those not the kinds of things that people want to hear? I could, I could tell you story after story after story of how Jesus has wrecked and rebuilt lives in amazing ways. And sometimes uh, when people, when that happens to people, uh, I've been privileged to be part of that story and sometimes they've given me little trinkets and gifts and I've been, I look at those things and I go, yeah, that cross stitch I have there, yeah, I didn't buy that. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have picked it off of a shelf. It doesn't match my decor, but the cross stitch that I have, yeah, there's a story there about how, how Jesus has rescued somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that doll that I have on, on my shelf, yeah, the gu- Guitar Hero slash action figure, yeah. It's not because I collect toys. It's because uh, somebody who uh, had their life absolutely turned upside down by Jesus uh, gave that to me. You have a story. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what your story is, but, but you know your story. And you have a collection of stories. Maybe it's a small collection. Maybe it's just, maybe you feel like me. Like, I, I, I don't, there's not enough time to tell all the stories about how Jesus has been uh, faithful. Maybe, maybe you're at the beginning of this whole journey with Jesus. Maybe you don't, you don't know what you think about him. Maybe you don't know if you, if you buy this. Listen, he wants to give you a story. And, and you may not even know it. You may feel like this is the beginning of your journey with Jesus. I, I, will, I will guarantee you it's not the beginning. He's, he's been after you. Because he loves you. And because he wants to do something amazing with your life. He wants to give you the kind of hope that is so absolutely ridiculous that you cannot explain it in the midst of the most incredibly difficult circumstances so that when you live out that hope, people say, what? What? I want to know that. His hope, Plato said, is the impulse toward the beautiful and the good. The word elpis, elpis. <laughs> the impulse toward the beautiful and the good. You and I, it, we're like prophets, all of us. Uh, because we uh, can read the signs and, and tell the truth and point to beauty uh, in, our, in our neighborhoods, in the people uh, around us. Uh, you know, a lot, here a lot we talk about the 8 to 15 people around you, your oikos, those people that, you're, you know, your sphere of influence, the people you do life with, right? Your job is to have this impulse toward the beautiful and the good, to point out the beautiful, to name things that are beautiful. And when our things are ugly, to find beauty, to speak beauty, to tell about beauty. Every single one of you is a specifically shaped, gifted prophet in only the way that you can be uh, to the people around you. I can't tell your story. Only you can tell that, and, and God wants it told. So this hope that we have, it's a, it's a fearless hope, not like the kind that the, 
the media feeds on, you know, the kind that he warns us, don't, don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. He doesn't, it, God doesn't want us to live in that fear. It's a fearless kind of a hope. It's a worryless kind of a hope that Jesus can give us. When we dig in, when we, when we say, God, I want to be filled with you. Jesus, please change my life. Do things in my life. It's a worryless kind of hope. If fear is the impulse towards those things uh, that are um, you know, impending doom, kinds of things, then worry is, is uh, worryless hope is, is the kind that we don't allow our heads to be cluttered by the stuff we just make up, you know? Worry is about things that we don't even know. Like, we just make that stuff up, and we allow it to, to rent head space. The hope he wants to give isn't fearless, it's, and, it, and it isn't full of worry, or it isn't full of fear, it isn't full of worry. It's meek, it's humble. It's patient. He says, be prepared uh, to give this answer when they ask. And, and when, you, when you give that answer, you, you do this gently. You do this respectfully. Right? That's, that's how he wants us to act and react in the world around us. Basically, he's saying, don't be a jerk face. There's plenty of jerks. And the more, and, and a lot of them are on Team Jesus. It's, it's this weird thing about the bride. It's this weird thing. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. But she's got some things. She's got some things that need to be worked on, right? And sometimes those things are glaring. You want to silence that stuff? Well, don't just put up your dukes. Don't speak at equal volume. Live hope. Tell your stories. And people will ask. And you can respectfully answer and not be a jerk face. It's not fearless, or it's fearless, it's worryless, it's meek, and it's active. This hope, this lifestyle, this way that he wants you and I to live, this thing that he's calling us to, this thing that happens out there when we're doing life with people, this thing is sweaty. Hope is is work, like to get there. It's sweaty, it's in the trenches. Hope doesn't just happen the box of hope doesn't descend from heaven and open upon you. Like, like hope happens as you're doing life with people. More hope happens as you're living the hope that you have out with people. And don't you want that? Don't you want to live like that? Man, I do. I, I totally do. I want to live like that. Don't you want Folsom to be that kind of community? Don't you want Lakeside to be that kind of church? Don't you want anybody who talks about this place or talks about Jesus in this community, even if they say, well, I don't buy it, they say, man, <laughs> but you, man, those people, I don't get it. They're so full of hope. Where does that come from? It does. And don't you want to live like that? Man, I do. I don't want to play games. I know you don't either. <laughs> Lord, thank you uh, for hope. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for calling us to hope. Thank you for giving us stories. Thank you for uh, giving us just glimpses of, of greater stories, things to look forward to, Lord. Please help us be the kind of people that stand in the gap and, and see beauty and point out beauty and call. Uh, when things aren't beautiful, Lord, we, we, we point to beauty. We use those as signposts uh, to beauty. That we live our lives in the way that, that just uh, makes people say, what in the world is going on? 
And, and Lord, make us good storytellers and story keepers and story makers for the sake of the gospel, the good news, the good headlines, for, for the sake of your name, Jesus. In this community, we want to live that out. Will you call us to that, Lord? We want to get better at it. We're, we're yours. Thanks for inviting us in. Amen.